Hello, I'm Greg Howard Jr., and this is Don't Make This Weird, the podcast. Each week, I invite a special guest to talk about their life, news, politics, and anything else that may come up. Head over to the Patreon, where you'll get the random questions game, a secret from my guest. You get some merch for being a loyal patron, and you get this uh, whole episode uncut and without this bit about joining the Patreon. So head over to patreon.com forward slash springbreak83 productions to join now. All right, so I am here with um, the curator of the Veeps Peeps blog on uh, Instagram and TikTok. She is one of my favorite people in the whole of the internet. Um, hello, Tiff. Hello. How um, are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's, it's a nice day today which is good. I just came back from New York. So I'm like trying to get back into my groove of being home, but pretty good. Good. Um, so I want to start out talking about Maureen Dowd. Um, she recently released a column uh, with the sub headline, how Obama went from cool to corny. Um, I want to know why why are white journalists so interested in the company that the former president keeps as well as how much money he makes? Good question. Uh, that's like the, the question of the year, right? Because we have no idea why these people are obsessed with him. The only thing I could think is that they feel excluded. So in reading her piece from yesterday, she kind of like everybody that she mentioned in the article were all white. She didn't mention except for Ron Manuel because he's Jewish, but nonetheless, he's still white. Um, right. But nonetheless, she consistently talked about like all the people that she mentioned. She mentions David Axelrod. Okay, fine. She, and the way she said it was like they made Obama. So I pulled this quote, right? And I was like, this is really disrespectful. She said, many of those who helped Obama achieve the moonshot becoming the first African-American president and then becoming uber rich were disinvited. I just found that so ridiculous because just because he didn't invite or disinvited because of COVID, they were invited. They were just disinvited. Doesn't mean that they're, they're no longer friends or he doesn't appreciate them. There just was a capacity issue. So I find that argument weird. And I... I forget the man's name. He was uh, President Obama's law professor. Um, oh, Lawrence Tribe? Yeah, real pain in the ass of a guy. Um, yeah, that guy. Just put out the tweet today that he said that he thought uh, President Obama's birthday party was, like, disgusting. And I'm like, you know, it's it seems to me that there's a lot of jealousy over not getting invited or not being included in like, you know, the Obama's Netflix deal. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense because I, the way that I looked at it when I read that, cause I read it multiple times and it seemed like they're trying to say that he's putting celebrity above the people that kind of got him to where he needs to be. And I feel like that's 
an idiotic argument to make. I mean, at the end of the day, you and when I have a party, I invite who I want to be at the party, right? So if it's celebrities or if it's, you know, musicians or whatever, actors or whatever actresses, whoever it may be, you're going to pick who you want to come to your party. There's no rules on parties, right? There's no one to say, hey, you have to invite so-and-so. You have, you mean you want to invite your probably your family. So that's like half of the guest list. And then you have people that, you know, you're close with, people that you want to be entertained by, people that have, you know, kind of been there throughout your life. And you know what? Guess what? If you aren't, if you're disinvited, so be it. You move on. I'm sure there's going to be other events. And the thing is, most of these people probably wouldn't have gone anyway. Right. So what's the deal? Like, I don't get it. It makes no sense. I mean, it's just jealousy. it has to be jealousy, right? I mean, it's oh, even Liz, even Liz Warren, our favorite topic, you know, she, she, always, she loves to talk about, you know, the Obama's money and their houses and all, it's like, why? It's like white people are just so obsessed with other people's money. And that's one thing I will say about, um, you know, for myself and for, you know, I know a lot of black people, a lot of Hispanic people, you know, we mind our business when it comes to money. It's like a faux pas to even talk about money. We don't ever talk about other people's money or like, you know, what they do with their money or how they do it with their money. So I think it's just, it's has, it seems very much to be a white thing. So maybe you have some insight on that because I don't. I mean, I, I personally was not invited to President Obama's birthday party, um, <laughs> but I'm not real mad about it. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's one of the, it's one of those things that, you know, the, the old saying, keeping up with the Joneses, like that's, that's very, like you said, it's very much a white people thing, you know, we're, and you can kind of look at it, <coughs> um, some of the so-called progressive politicians you know they're constantly worried about um where other people's money comes from you know the m- most recent example i can think of is ohio 11 where you know everybody was so concerned about where Chantel brown's money came from and it's like you know she was out fundraised and yeah, by a lot yeah, I found that whole, like, the whole dark money, dirty money thing was so gross to me. Like, it was it just felt, it literally felt dirty to be saying that the money, we all knew what they were trying to say. You know, we, we knew we got the trope, like, we got it. And I think most people got it. But at the end of the day, it's like, you had more money. You had actually double, almost double what she, of what Chantel had. So the fact that you're comparing and, and it, it wasn't even just, the, the the fact of just saying how much money that Chantel had, it was also Nina constantly talking about the money she raised. So if you watch, I, of course, I watched a lot of her interviews. I'm still traumatized from watching it because <laughs> God knows. Um, yeah, she definitely talked about how much she raised and it was $27, you know, uh, from the grassroots. And it was just, it was constantly her whole pitch. Like if she did an interview, the majority of the interview was about how much money she raised. And it's like, when, when did we start to care so much about money and races? Like, I don't think that I've ever heard. I mean, obviously during the the presidential conversations and the primaries, we definitely talked that we talked about money because it was important to know how much each of the camp, but I never heard 
any candidate talk about, hey, I only, you know, I raised X amount of dollars, except for you know who, Bernie, he was obsessed, and Liz. So again, back to your whole thing about progressives, they're obsessed with money. It's annoying. I I think like during the presidential primary, the reason a lot of, you know, even our conversations on Twitter centered around money was because of the way they set the debates up where like you had to have so many donations and then you had to, you know, rank in this many polls, you know? So I think that's at least to the best of my memory, because I don't even remember, um, you know, during when uh, President Obama ran, or even when um, Hillary Clinton ran after that, I don't remember the conversations being so um, money focused. Yeah, I don't remember either. I mean, when Hillary ran, I couldn't tell you how how much money she raised because I never even heard about it. I just knew people were giving her money. Like it was, there was never a conversation. I feel like, so we can get into this conversation about the PAC money situation, because I feel like that has driven a lot of the money situation conversations that people are talking about. So we're no longer taking corporate PACs. Thanks, Liz. You know, it's funny because I was doing some research on it and I saw that Obama in 2008, he didn't take any PAC money, but it wasn't anything that anyone talked about. I mean, he just did it and it, it was what it was. And then Liz kind of brought that back to life with the presidential campaign. And then everyone kind of followed suit. But guess who that disadvantaged? The the people that needed the money, which <laughs> right? Kamala and you know Julian Castro and Cory Booker. I mean, they all kind of suffered from the fact that they didn't take PAC money. And I feel like sometimes it's like when you do that, you kind of limit yourself. So in the case of Chantel, she took the PAC money. Right. Guess what? She won. So the whole idea of the pack yet yeah, sounds great no corporate you know pack money but in the in the end does it really help you because i could care less i could really care less where you're getting your money from i mean i don't think i want you taking money from you know some corrupt person but i right. also don't but i also think that a, a, a pack wants to give you money i think that's fine if if a, if a pack, let's say, you know, a healthcare company or you know, pharmaceutical company want to give you money, yes, they may want something in return, but typically they don't. So if in the case that that happens, then so be it. I mean, you tell them no, right? You gave me $5,000. Okay. I'm, I'm not, it's not that kind of transaction here. So it just, it's just weird that they're so obsessed with that piece of it. And I think she's the part of the reason why so many, so many candidates aren't taking the pack money and it really pisses me off. Yeah. So pivoting to another politician who is not highly favored by white journalists, um, somebody very near and dear to our hearts. Uh, This week, Vice President Harris, first of her name, uh, (laughs) came out on top of the YouGov Yahoo 2024 Dem presidential poll. Um, and we should say that this poll, uh, was conducted under the idea that should Biden not run in 2024, who, um, who do you think would be the best successor? Um, and the vice president topped that at, uh, 44%, uh, with secretary of transportation, 
Mayor Pete in second at 10%, and then the usual suspects on down the line uh, in the single digits. Um, Is this surprising to you at all? Absolutely not. I mean, the VP is the VP, right? I mean, if she runs in 20, if she is the person who is next in line to be the president, I mean, that's the whole point of being the VP, right? So anything other than that would be really shocking to me. Um, I saw, I did see that, you know, Pete was was second. So that was nice. I mean, he does have name recognition. So part of it is to name recognition, obviously. Um, so yeah, I mean, it makes sense. So that's why a lot of people are like, okay, well, the ticket is likely to be, guess who? Kamala Harris and me, Buttigieg. That I mean, that's just kind of the way, the way, I mean, those are the two people from the presidential camp, you know, campaigns and who's in the office now. So it makes sense. I mean, I don't see why anyone would think anything different. I love seeing AOC all the way at the bottom, though. That cracked me <laughs> up. Like, girl, I mean, why would anyone think that she wouldn't even... If she even thought about running, I don't even think she can win for a senator in New York. So nevertheless, president is like even beyond ridiculous at this point to me to even think about. So, um, yeah, not going to happen. And I mean, we all know that uh, President Biden has emphatically stated that, you know, 2024 will be another Biden-Harris ticket because he plans to run again because he considers himself a transitional president. Um, do you think that uh, polls like this one from YouGov and Yahoo are helpful at all? Uh, I don't really. I mean, it's good. It's a good indicator of kind of, you know, it's nice to see. It's always nice to see when my when my person is at the top. If she was in at the top, then I'll be like, oh, they suck. So to be honest, like I do. I mean, they they're not really that helpful to me, in my opinion, at this point. They're, they're just for informational purposes, I think. There's not, this doesn't mean anything. Like I said, we don't know what Biden's planning to do for, I mean, I personally want him to run again. I don't, I'm not ready for Kamala to be president. That's me personally. It's not anything against her. I mean, if she runs, I'm, she hasn't, I'm going to have her back a hundred percent, but I just feel like as a country, we're just not there. Like these, the people are not ready yet. And so I want, I want her to be, to be in a position where she has the best shot to win. And I don't know if 2024 is that place, but I know 2028 is like, I could, I could definitely foresee it for 20, like we're still in such a bad place with COVID and, you know, trying to get the economy. I don't want her to take over for Biden while we're still trying to clean up the mess from Trump. So if Biden could stay, you know, the next four years and, you know, she takes over in 2028, then I think we'll be ready. We were, we would have already had eight years of a white man in office and her understanding and having greater understanding of foreign policy, having traveled the world, having met world leaders, like she will be primed and ready to go. So I am, I am ready for 2028. It just, it, this poll kind of reminds me of, um, during during the dark days of the veep stakes when like every day there was a poll of oh well you know all these people are saying it's going to be this person and all these people are going to be say it's going to be this person um but to your to your point i i absolutely agree that 2024 is too soon um you know give her i'd like for her to have eight years to kind of build that portfolio and you know 
have there be like no questions on on the debate stage absolutely yeah there there in, in eight years there will be no there should be no questions i mean only thing they could come back on is the stupidity that happens every every week it seems like in the news what was it one week it was the pens one week it was you know the that she told people not to come without even understanding context so i feel like a lot of that stuff that they're putting out there there it's like throwing stuff at the wall to see if it's gonna stick and none of it really has has so far it's just kind of bs even i mean even the trumpers they don't really know how to beat a kamala harris they know they know they couldn't do it for joe they 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 will use every the thing that they will weaponize is as usual race that is what they do and so i'm not i personally am not ready for that because it's like i said we live we kind of we live through it pretty much through the (laughs) through the veep stakes we live through it through the primary and it's not it's not only just having to live through it with the right it's also having to live with it with the left and that's not fun either because they are just as bad at some points so i've got um a letter from a listener it comes to us from alanis uh not morissette she was she was very emphatic that uh she is not alanis morissette um so maybe it is alanis morissette i don't know um she is from Rhode Island, and she would like to know if uh, you think politicians rely too little or too much on social media in uh, campaigning and fundraising. Good question, Alanis. Not Morissette. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that it depends on the actual candidate. So in the last couple of races that have been run, so Chantel, for instance, right? She had no social media presence at all when she first got into the race. So she had like 300 followers when she got into the race in December. When I decided to jump into, you know, getting into helping her with the race, she had about 7,900 or so people following her. And now she's up to like 19,000. I don't think that she ever really paid too much attention to social media, but she was really good. If so, like for instance, I'm so going to give credit to my girl who posted um, the video of Clyburn, right? So the video of that the video that Mia was talking about Clyburn. So in that case, I think Chantel did pay attention to that because she did a retweet, but I don't think that her campaign was solely dependent on the actual social media piece of it. It was nice. I think it is a tool, right? So I think social media is a tool for candidates to get their message out and to be able to post pictures, which is always a good thing to see like what they're doing, how they're doing. So like, for instance, like I was watching um, a video of Connor Lamb. So he's running for the PA Senate. And I was watching a couple of his videos that he had posted and pictures and I was, you know, one thing that I like to do in looking at it is looking at who's in the crowd, right? I think we, we spend a lot of time looking at who's in the crowd of people who are actually going to their events. So we did that for Nina too. So back to Connor, like I noticed that he's in majority white crowds, right? So in white spaces, which is fine. It's PA. I mean, it's 80% white. There's, unless he goes to, you know, some of the bigger cities, there's probably not going to be too many black people there or Hispanics. So it's just kind of like, I like looking at that, but in terms of like actually winning, you can't win a race on social media. That's never going to happen. But I think, I think it is, like I said, it's a tool. So Eric Adams, another one who won in New York city, 
he doesn't have that many followers on Twitter. He barely has any on, you know, on, on Instagram. He used, he used Facebook a lot to get out, get out his message, which I hate, but nonetheless, they just, you know, some people do like it. Older people like Facebook. I don't. Um, so I think that, I think that's a tool to be able to get information out, but if you're solely running on social media, you're losing, like you're losing, that's not going to happen. So you're never going to win my, to the way to win the is on the ground. You have to be on the ground. You have to be with the people, know the people, see the people, be around the people. You just have to be with the people in the community. People want to see you, hear your message. So, and I know even my mom, she told me like in New York, she would see a bunch of people, like she voted for somebody that she saw when she got off the train. <laughs> like she's like, yeah, you know, that guy, I saw him after the, tra- on the um, when I got off the train and he, I liked his message. And then she went and read up on him and she was like, yeah, he's my guy. So it's nice to see where candidates are and what they're doing. And the fact that they, the fact that they can, you know, kind of get us the information out as quickly as they want to is always good. So that's what we try to do. Like with Chantel, we tried to get videos of her event. She wasn't posting them, but we could. Right. So, so Jeff would tell me, Hey, Tim, Chantel is on Facebook and she's doing an event. I would go take a video of it and post it. So that helps get people to know her. So people may have, you know, people didn't really know her, but they started seeing, oh, she has, she, she talks like how we talk. She acts like how we act. She has a good message. So in, in a way, yes, the candidate may not be able to do it, but we could do it for them. We can kind of get their message out as well because of the use of social media. Um, do you think that there are people who um, take their views of who to vote for based on like who their friends on social media are voting for for instance in a in a national in a national race well i mean i think of my daughter right she's 21 so when she when she was in high school she was it was all about bernie right all her friends were like hey bernie 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 they only knew him from social media they only knew him from you know his his speeches and you know that was 20 it was like 2016 right so she was a, she was a senior uh yeah senior at that time because she it was november like october november that time frame so all her friends were talking about bernie they couldn't vote but they were talking about him so now we get to 2020 and it's like she's like mom i like bernie i'm like um no <laughs> I, think some, I think you need to do some research so then you know she wasn't really into it and then she also was getting like, so a lot of her friends were posting things about, you know, Biden, about, you know, the crime bill and Biden did, you know, this or that. And, you know, he doesn't like black people like there's like they, they start all these weird conspiracy theory things on the Internet. So, you know, for her as an influential 21 year old, and it, it definitely was a conversation that her and I had to have because I feel like she probably would have not voted had she not had me around, like, but she, but she did. So she was telling her friends, like, Hey guys, we got to go vote. Like it really matters. Like you got to do this. We really need, you know, she was trying to, she was trying to corral everybody to go, to go vote. And I was like, you know what, in that case, yeah, social media is like great, but yes, you can be influenced. I don't think like somebody like myself who knows stuff about, about politics would be, but somebody who doesn't really pay attention and is getting fed information. It's the same as the vaccine, right? People are hearing, oh, it's not, it does, it's not a good, 
it doesn't it doesn't do good you know the government is out to get us and so you have all these different things floating out there and then you just need somebody to just kind of straighten you out and say like no that that doesn't really make sense but you don't have that person right you can easily be be influenced i mean anybody can influenced into giving up $27 a day to help a Vermont millionaire run for president. Yeah. Remember, remember that time when it was like, I, I think it was, I think it was Warren and it was like after a debate and she was like, yeah, you know, so, so-and-so from somewhere, you know, they chipped in like their last $15. Yes. And I was, I'm sitting there like, oh my God, if I, if, my, if I had $15, I would not want to give that to 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 warrant and the fact that she was proud of that was really really gross to me like you you're yours well you're a millionaire you have like multiple homes you're you know why should we the people have to fund your campaign now i'm all for helping like i give money to a ton of people who are running for you know if i believe in them i'm gonna give you money but i shouldn't be the one to have to fund your campaign I am totally against that. Like, I do not believe in that. I am done with that. So if I want to help you, fine. But when you're begging me for money, I do not like that. It's yeah, I just, I'm, I'm still not over that she took that college student's last $15. It, it was horrible. The, and the fact that she, that's like no shame. Like, I would never repeat that out loud. Like, Never. I would never say that. So yeah, we know that the, a lot of the people that give Bernie and the JDs and DSA, we know the people that give them that money are pretty well off. They like live in, you know, it's a whole, they live in the basement of mommy's house. In the Hamptons. <laughs> um, we know that there's people like that, but then there are those hardworking people that, you know, that that's the barista or work in fast food or as a server. I would feel horrible taking that person's money. Like I, and then to brag about it is like, like I said, a college student, like we, I mean, I, we went to college, you, you're broke, you're broke. So yeah, not cool. That's why like, I, I'm a big fan of like campaign merch. And I feel like that's, that's the perfect way to support your candidate as well as kind of get their name out. You know, because I'll be I'll be the first one. Um, I have a Connor Lamb hoodie and T-shirt coming. Um, I just ordered some stuff from uh, Brian Sims, who is running for lieutenant governor. Um, I've got Val Demings merch on the way. I'm really excited about that. The uh, me the too. Vo- the vote Dem Ings shirt. I ordered that. Um, cause that shit's cute. Yeah, no, I did too. I ordered, I ordered two shirts from Val. So I, somebody posted it and I was like, okay, yeah. Like you said, that's an easy way for me to give you like 60 something dollars and I get something in return. So I love, love, love merchandise, especially if they're like catchy phrases. So yes. the one that I got Val Demings, I forgot what it said, but it was like, it was like, it was black and it has like a little, like a little saying on the side. And I was like, that's perfect. And then I, the other one, I, and then I got a yellow, but a yellow one. Cause you know, yellow is my color. And so I was like, yes, okay, this is perfect. So yeah, merch is definitely cool. I'm waiting for Sherry Beasley to get some merchandise because I need a Sherry Beasley shirt. So um, if anybody's listening, Sherry Beasley, I need a shirt. We yeah, need somebody, we, we need, we need that merch. 
Yes. Um, so yeah, definitely. Merch is, merch is the easiest way. And like I said, it's nice to get something. And you, like I said, think about the days that we had when we were just rocking. Like that was like a thing during, 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 you know, the Biden, Harris, you know, um, time frame when we were, you know, promoting them. Like we, you know, it was like after she was picked and was like, okay, we're going to do, you know, a merch day. So everybody just wore like a pink sweater that we all got. And then we would wear like our Biden Harris shirt. Like those are cool things that we can do. Like we said, talking about social media, a good way to kind of promote candidates and be like, hey, you know, I'm team Demings or I'm team Beasley or like you said, Connor Lamb. So people are seeing, visually seeing that you're supporting a candidate. And I do feel like that actually helps helps a lot of candidates because people were asking me like, hey, well, my, I think my aunt was at, my aunt asked me on Facebook, because like I said, I hate Facebook, but I posted it that day. She's like, hey, where'd you get that shirt? Send me the link. I want one too. So it got more people to get involved with the campaign or feel like they were involved in the campaign. And, and I should say, um, because I am also um, supporting Malcolm Kenyatta in the primary, um, he does not have any merch. So no just, merch. Yeah, like no merch. Um, but I, I do have a monthly donation set up to him and Connor because anybody's better than that other All right. guy. Well, you know what? After this, I'm gonna have to send a little message to Mr. Malcolm because I do follow him and he follows me. So I'm gonna I usually do on Sundays. I usually last week I did it and I probably do it to, tonight as well to kind of just say, you know, like hey. Um, you know, you know, donate some Malcolm and hey, where's the merch? Like, dude, we need some merch. Yeah, we so need merch. Definitely need to hit him up because, like you said, that's an easy way. And I feel like candidates have cer certain things that they say. So, like, he's for working people. So, get you a working people shirt. Like, get something that is that is specific to your campaign and is personal. Because Joe was really good about that. Like, he had so many shirts that like put like what his message was. So, like the one that I have is like about science. And then, you know, I, I, the, the, I have another one that wasn't from the campaign, but it was still cool. And people always like it when he's like, come on, you know, like the come on, man, or yeah. whatever. People like cheesy stuff like that. So I feel like that's definitely a good way, um, like I said, to get the message out. And yeah, Malcolm, get yourself together. We need some merch. Because I, I do support both. I do support Connor and I do support Malcolm. Um, let, let the best man win. We just got to get that other guy up out of there. Yeah. I do have to say while we're on the subject of campaign merch that I think that my favorite piece has got to be um, the that little girl was me t-shirt that we sold out in like 15 minutes. Yeah, it was. And I still have it. And I've literally only wore it once. I've only wore it once to go vote. And I'm like. I'm going to keep it there. And I, every time, like I was going to wear it to like a party once and I was like, you know what? I'm not wearing it. I'm just going to keep it. It's sacred. So um, yeah, I'm not wearing that shirt. I have another other shirt, the black one that says like, like Kamala across. I've worn that one multiple times. I do like that one. Um, but yeah, there's definitely like we, but that, that shirt was the bomb. And thank you. I think, um, I think Kamala's niece was the one who helped create that shirt and it's really cute. All right, so we are going to take a quick break. Um, so if you enjoyed part one of this episode, uh, stick around for part two. It is coming up next.
If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. If you didn't enjoy this episode, why the fuck are you even still here? If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at don'tmakethisweirdpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at sb83productions, on Instagram at springbreak83productions. Don't Make This Weird is a Spring Break 83 production.